Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Atlantic Bushcraft Adventures. Tonight, by request, we are doing an episode on bushcrafting versus survival. Now, the show itself, the idea came from uh, Great Big Monkey, uh, Dave. So go check out his uh, channel over there. We've mentioned him a few times. I'll link him down in the description when we're finished here. But uh, the idea kind of came from him, so I want to give credit where credit was due. But, uh, that aside, I think it's still a good topic for us to go over, Ben. Oh, it's a great topic. It's a, it, it is. And I think it's it's actually going to be a bit of a difficult topic, but we're going to get through this. We're going to do this. We're going to try. Um, and if anybody's wondering why, uh, one of the reasons, I guess, or the what kind of muddies the water here is survival and bushcraft very often get lumped into the same pot, if you will, which is not entirely wrong. They are incredibly similar. Uh, but there are some key differences where they kind of separate out. And, and I think it was you, you were saying, uh, Venn diagram, wasn't it? Yeah. I think this is, it's, it's where you draw the two circles and you have the overlap. And I think in this case, you'd have much more overlap. You know, a lot of stuff's going to fit in the middle for the two of them. And then you got a little bit on the outside that makes the major differences between the two of them. Um, and I would almost argue that some people could say that one could fully encompass the other, but I don't think it really can. I think each have their own similarities that fits well outside of the other one. Um, so, yeah. So what and we'll have to do. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, and I kind of agree with you. Like, I, and even I'm guilty off it. Sometimes I'll interchange survival with bushcraft and, not so much me, but when I'm talking to people, when I'm at work and stuff like that, they're like, oh, you're into that survival stuff. And instead of correcting them and being like, well, I'm more like bushcrafting. I used to do that all the time. And now I'm just like, yeah, I'm kind of an outdoorsy person. I leave it at that. And that's all fine and dandy for the, you know, for the Joe Blow. I think it, it works fine. But for anybody that's looking to get into bushcraft or survival, th there is some differences that they should probably be at least aware of. You know what I mean? So you can start formulating your own plan on how you want to do your research, your training, uh, and things like that. Because some people get into bushcraft when they want to do more survival-oriented stuff, and sometimes people get into survival-oriented stuff when they're actually looking for more bushcraft-oriented stuff. If, does that make any kind of sense, Ben? I think very much so. Um, and I think we need to really focus our conversation. I know this is a focus is a four-letter word on this. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But let's start with what are the similarities? What really makes them similar? Um, and, and once we've defined those, defining the differences should be a little bit more clear in what makes something a survival thing versus a bushcraft thing. All right. I'm good with this idea. Um, and there are a lot of similarities, like you said, with your reference to the Venn, uh, Venn diagram there. I do believe that inner circle is going to be almost all-encompassing for a lot of it. Because yeah. a lot of it does generally happen in an outdoors environment. Uh, I mean, you can get into some specialized survival stuff where it's like urban survival or bug-in survival. But I think that might be down yet another offshoot that's more prep-based, I think. Yeah. And, and even with bug-out, I mean, there's... There's not a huge difference in somebody who's, um, say, camp ready at any given time and somebody who has a bug out bag. 
If you took the two bags and laid them side by side and went through them, you would find that 99% of everything in them is more or less the same. So in that case, it's just going to be based off intent. Um, but one of the, I guess, the key things for, let's say, bushcraft or survival is, and I've heard it referred to as like the trinity. So what do you need when you're in the woods? You need food, you need shelter, and you need water. If you have those three things, you're doing pretty good. So in both bushcraft and survival, you spend a lot of time, skill, knowledge in figuring out where you're going to get your food, how you're going to deal with your food, how you're going to protect your food, you know, because regardless, if you're going out for two days, or if you're planning to live in the woods, you need food and you need to have a plan for your food. Mm -hmm. Right. And in water, same deal. Where am I going to get the water? How am I going to put it? you know verify that it's safe and and stuff and then you know how am i going to store it how i'm going to heat it how what am i going to do with water so where is it coming from how how am i how am i gathering it so on and so forth and then last is survival or is not survival is is shelter mm. so how do i keep the weather and cold off of me and, and shelter for me is down to your layers of clothing to the structure that you're in um and so those are, are the three things that they're very they have a lot of similarities in. Right. No, and I, uh, I I I tend to agree with you, uh, and I don't want to jump ahead with the differences here, but I had a I. Yeah, I'll save this quote for it's not really a quote, but this analogy for when we come to the differences, which is really hard, because there's. But yeah, anyway, it is going to involve a lot of food, shelter, and water, much like you said. Uh, and the environment is relative to wherever, you know what I mean? You don't need to be deep boreal forest to do bushcrafting. You don't need to be deep boreal forest to technically do survival. I mean, a lot of it is going to uh, be variant on the area you're in, as well as your intent of what you want to do. Like I said, I'm trying not to spill over into the differences and garble no, everything no. up here. And so, how do you, I guess the next thing to try and stick with similarities and try not to slide out into the differences, which is, is, is going to be somewhat difficult, and even defining those outside of that could be difficult. But I guess, how do we do these things? So, the next set of things is, I guess... What equipment would you use? Might be a good area. In an ideal situation, both survival and bushcrafting, you will have equipment readily available. Once again, I'm trying not to get into the differences here. Um, but, I mean, you're still going to need your basic tools to construct that shelter that we already talked about. Uh, most of it, like a knife is going to be a no-brainer, I think. For both of this, you're going to have some sort of cutting instrument, be it a knife or, you know what I mean, hopefully. Um Cutting, cooking. Yeah. Yeah, so once again, the similarities, it, it's real easy to see why people confuse the two because honestly, on the surface level, they are incredibly the same. You're going to be going out to an area that's not your home and you're going to be living there. You know what I mean? So that that's a big similarity between them. You're still going to have to procure the food or protect the food, as you said earlier. You're still going to have to create the shelter and maintain the shelter. Um... And same as water, like you said. All these are uh, very similar things. The tools you're going to, tools you will use to do them will be very similar. You're still going to need a container, a cutting device, uh, source of ignition, hopefully, 
so you can get yeah. uh, a fire going, stay warm, part of your shelter system. Um, yeah, I'm really having a hard time <laughs> not jumping into the differences and jumping all around. Yeah, no, so, you know, I agree with you. Like, think of our basic... Um, Loadout when we're when we're going to woods. What what do we generally carry? We carry like a saw, a knife, an axe. Very commonly, we're going to carry a stove. We're going to carry some kind of way of lighting fire. We're going to carry some kind of shelter. You know, we're also going to carry a sleeping bag. I mean, never going to woods without something to, to sleep in. Uh, you're going to carry some something that's waterproof, rain gear. You know, things like that. So, all these things are very similar. A lot of the the modes of transportation that you would use to get to both of them, you know, walking, driving, you know, driving boats, you know, serve the exact same purposes to get you from point A to point B. So you can, you can do what, what the intent is. So a lot of your equipment is essentially the same. Your overall goals, because in the end it's about, you know, I, and I don't want to use the word surviving, but in both, in all cases, Survival is a basic function of everything we do. We're just trying to survive. You know, with bushcraft, and I think this is where we're unfortunately going to slide into the differences because we're not going to avoid it much further. With bushcraft, it is specifically surviving in the woods and primarily using natural resources that are available. Yeah. So the thing I was going to try and hold off on saying, but you're right, there's no getting around it. Survival and bushcraft, they are almost identical, except bushcrafting is generally done with intent. Survival generally is created by circumstance. Now, either you went in the woods and you were bushcrafting and it turned into survival, or you were out hunting and it turned into survival, or, you know, like they're in an urban area, whatever happens, and now you're into survival mode. It's generally brought on by a circumstance. Very few people plan to survive as where lots of people plan to bushcraft, you know what I mean? Like, aside from the everyday survival, as you said, that we're naturally doing, most people don't go, you know what? I'm going to get dropped in the woods and I'm going to see if I can survive for seven days. Come get, come back in seven days and see if I'm still alive. Like, even the TV shows and things like that, uh, that base themselves on surviving, generally yeah. have a lifeline. True survival, you don't have that lifeline, you don't have that uh, method of security, you don't have that fallback plan. You are basically in the situation you're in, and you got to make the best of it. So, and I have some notes here, just quickly looked down. And the thing I have in both is the drive. And that's exactly what you're talking about. In survival, the drive is to keep living. Uh, and, and so what's pushing you is the fact that if you don't do this, you are going to cease to continue. I mean, that's that's the end result of it. With bushcraft, generally, our, our drives are, are one of two things. To increase our skill level or to make ourselves more comfortable. And I agree. Right? So, so if we're in the woods, those are the two things we're generally working towards. Yeah. And somebody once told me, I had this conversation before between survival and bushcraft, just, you know, campfire talk. Somebody said that survival is meaningful to life. Bushcraft is surviving with style. <laughs> I like that. So, I mean, that's kind of what bushcrafting is. It's surviving 
with style. You're you're making your situation a little better. You don't usually have the the absolute necessity of I have to keep myself alive, like you much said. It's more of enjoyment or skills building or whatever. You're using a lot of the same skills, a lot of the same equipment, all that good stuff. But the major key, the major difference is the need to do it. You know what I mean? When there's a want, you know it yourself. You go out, if you want to do something, that's great. You take the same activity the next day and you have to do it. Yeah. You hate it. It gets worse. Could be the exact same circumstances with the exact same gear. For some reason, absolutely needing to do something always muddies the waters. So generally when survival comes up, like true survival, it could be the exact same situation you've been in a hundred times bushcrafting. For whatever reason, life seems to make it harder on you. Whether it's a mental state or whatever the case happens to be, it just generally becomes harder. Is that true to, you know what I mean? Oh, I think it's 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 a hundred percent true. Uh, when you're out there for enjoyment, and, and another note that I have is for bushcraft, it's survival, right? Hmm. Or it's it's enjoyment for survival. I had the two notes I put down is that you have two types of survival. You have short-term survival and long-term survival. But in the end, I think having great bushcraft skills is going to make survival a hell of a lot easier. And I agree. And I would almost go as far as to say short-term survival yeah. is basically bushcrafting. <laughs> it's the long-term survival where you're no longer like even getting lost in the woods, hunting trip expedition. You know what I mean? You get turned around. You by have had this conversation. We've talked about individuals that do this. They get turned around. They might be spending a night in the woods. Being ground search and rescue yourself, I'm sure you've stumbled upon the person. They got a great campfire set up. Like they look like they're out camping. Mm. having a grand old time waiting for somebody to blow in. You know what I mean? That That's the kind of survival that is literally hand-in-hand hand with bushcrafting because nothing really changed except the acceptance of, oh, I'm not getting out tonight, and then you just kind of jump into bushcrafting mode and you make yourself as comfortable as possible for that one night. After a couple days, once panic sets in, uh, the realization maybe somebody's not going to find you within that you know first... I, I think you guys say in Ground Search and Rescue 48 to 72 hours is the golden window. Uh, yeah, it depends on age uh, and a few other factors, yes. But there is a, a a prime time where you're more likely to find the individual both alive and well and in good shape. Um, and, you know, it it does vary a lot. And, and they actually have a whole book on how to find, like, if there's a, there's a, there's a, the name will come to me, but it's it's last person behaviors course. There's a, a whole course. If you ever did search rescue, there's a course on it. And it actually breaks down what type of people get lost, what they do when they get lost, what the survival rating is. And, uh, you know, for some of them, it goes down relatively abrupt. In others, it's it's actually a pretty low curve. There's There are people that have a fairly good long-term survivability. Um and personally, I you know I don't know I don't have the book in front of me, but I I would like to think a bushcrafter would have that long term survivability. You know, seven days later we could expect to find them not only alive and well, but maybe doing quite good. Like by the time you got to him, he'd have a good shelter. He might have a fishing net going on. You know, when you get to him, he'd be like he. And in a he gave way, up on the idea <laughs> to go home. <laughs> In a way, bushcrafting is almost practicing for survival. 
You know what I mean? Like right. the, the act of practicing for survival is kind of what bushcrafting became, but not really because most people just want, I want to be comfortable in the woods. I don't want to just survive in the woods. I want to thrive in the woods. That's kind of what the, the idea behind bushcrafting used to be because, you know, the old ways or our forefathers, whichever we want to look at this, they lived off the land, they made themselves comfortable and stuff like that. And us as bushcrafters, we tend to want to do much the same. We want to, if we're going to go out in the woods, we enjoy being out there. We enjoy the trees, the water, the rocks, the air, all that stuff. But we want to be comfortable out there. So we learn the skills that, you know what, I got wet, my lighter's wet, I can make a fire. Oh, my tarp's ripped. I can build a basic shelter. Well, I forgot my sleeping pad. I can get myself off the ground. Like these are skills we are practicing to make ourselves happy and comfortable while we're in the woods already enjoying it. So you are practicing the survival. The reality is if you get into a survival situation, all these bushcrafting skills that you've been practicing and stuff like that become second nature. So as you said, your your time, your comfortability and survivability go so much further. I think the other big difference that we may want to hit on, because you're, you're scraping it pretty good there. Um, bushcraft is all about in the woods. Or or in, I should say in nature, because not all nature is woods, but it's not in a, a, a rural or urban environment necessarily. It's more, you know, outside of, of the community, where survival literally could be taking place in the middle of a city. It could be put, taking place anywhere. In fact, if you were to, depending on the event that, that's putting you in a survival situation, going in the woods may not be your benefit. It may be still staying in town. And if you want to think about some of the best survivalists maybe in the world, think of almost any homeless person. Mm. Right? They tend to end up in busy urban areas because the ability to forge and collect materials and stuff like that is actually a lot easier they're not natural materials but is easier inside of a, a an urban area than it would be in say a rainforest not that there's not as much food i mean either one if you know what you're doing you're going to get plenty of food but in downtown you can you can still you know scrounge money you can barter for for products there's there's more people you're going to deal with. Once you go to bushcraft, most likely you're not seeing a lot of people. You're by yourself. So survival can happen anywhere. And it may be that you're in the woods and you're surviving. That's just a happenstance of your situation at that time. Bushcraft is going to be getting you out into the wilderness, mm -hmm. whatever that wilderness tends to be. Survival is almost the opposite. It's trying to get back into an urban area and, and ideally out of a survival mode and into living at home like, like having a home and not be surviving anymore but but living what would be considered by most people and i'm going to use quotes here a normal life <laughs> and something i was thinking for a good analogy while you were giving yours there with the urban area take a good bushcrafter and put them in a raft in the middle of the ocean how many of the skills they developed in the woods are going to help them there, except maybe, you know, there are some similarities, mindset and things like that, but a true survivalist would actually have a little bit more in their arsenal, you know what I mean? So there are differences between the survival genre and the bushcrafting genre. But yeah. like we said right from the start, there's a ton of overlap on these two. The thing is, a lot of survival tends to be the people that got lost. Most people get lost in woods and stuff like that. It's pretty hard to get lost in an urban area 
and not be able to ask somebody for directions. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I've been lost in a city, but never to the point where I've had to make a shelter. Uh, well, not all survivalists are lost. I think some true. survivalists are just in a situation where they are no longer protected within normal society. Think about it if, and, and think of it the bug out bag concept. Somebody's coming to get you and you have to get away. You know, well, from a survivalist, you kind of get into the, you know, the doomsday preppers and, and you, you know, have the whole genre there. And those guys are learning a ton of bushcraft skills because that is a possibility that they would need. But their concept, a lot of survivalist concept, is that somebody or something is going to take away what they have, whether it, it be a hurricane or a natural disaster or an attacking force or just a gang or they've made a mistake under certain people after them and they can no longer use what they have always had to to use before um, so it, it's a very broad thing like why are you surviving and and what are you doing for it and that's a good point i like what you said that survival can be very broad because i was just thinking as you were saying survival can be as easy as a hurricane blows through and the power's out for a week now how many people listening Plus yourself, Ben, just to think about it, that you know, if the power went off tonight, it's not coming back on for seven days, are going to be in an okay situation in seven days. Like, that, that don't have generators, that just have basically what they got around them to survive. Most people's food, it's going to be fridge and freezer. That's going to be gone in a couple days. How many yeah. of us actually take long-term dry goods, you know what I mean? Like, we actually dehydrate stuff, we uh, have canned goods, which are, you know ideal but really the dehydration and stuff like that how many of us could dehydrate the food we have to make it last longer in that survival situation as where these are things we do bushcrafting to actually go out in the woods so that's kind of where some skill overlap would have i mean if something uh i mean i'll be fine uh if the power went out first thing i'd do is like all right well we're gonna start eating the stuff out of the fridge and then you know the next day we're gonna start eating the stuff out of the 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 freezer yeah and just having the knowledge to be able to do that instead of other people being like, oh, well, okay, we're just going to eat like we normally do. And then some of their stuff starts going bad and blah, 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 blah. You can see where I'm going with this. As where a survivalist might already be prepped for the situation. Oh, power went out. Well, here's my Tupperware tote with my extra batteries, flashlights, canned goods, first aid kit. You know, like the, the survival kit they tell you to do for storms and stuff like that that you see online all the time. Which, don't get me wrong, is the is still survival training or skills in any way that you want to look at it. You know what I mean? It can be as simple as just that storm prepared kit, because that's still going to make you better survival probability than your neighbor that has nothing. Yeah. And I, I think one of the reasons these get so easily mixed together, just thinking about what you just said is the average person's biggest fear today not not over history, but the average person today actually has a fear of the, of the wilderness. They're, they don't know what they would do if they couldn't go to the store and pick up what they need. They, some people actually would have a panic at just the thought they couldn't get Tim's to more wine. You know what I mean? Like They would... They I can would think seriously... of people like that. I Well, just really? this. I mean, I, I know you probably heard my phone go off at one point while we were sitting here talking. I know people that if they didn't have the availability to be in contact with their phone for like an hour, to them, that's not living. They're already surviving. <laughs> but re I mean, it, it's kind of an extreme situation, but when you think about it on that level, like there are people to there, 
well, what happens if, like, the power grid goes down? Not just the power goes out in your little local town, you can still go to town and get your Wi-Fi and all that stuff, but the power grid for Nova Scotia goes out. You know, Hurricane 1. Mass power ages everywhere. Yeah. How are these people... How, how are they going to fare out? You know what I mean? Yeah. No, a lot of people aren't going to do well. Like, we, we've seen it, because... I mean, we both lived through one. We, you know, the the multiple renditions of of one, the white one. And, I mean, we all lost power. I mean, okay, yeah, in the winter when it had all that snow, you you didn't worry as much about your food going bad. You could just throw it in a snowbank. But I mean, half the people had no way of of heating water or anything. And then I watched people do things that I thought were really foolish. Like I watched one woman. She lit up this big old barbecue and put her kettle on top of it to boil water. And I'm like, well, that's a very inefficient way to boil water. Like immediately, I'm like, there's a way better ways to boil your water than, than to light the barbecue and put on it. Like the side burner would be better, or, or, or anything. <laughs> I think the other side of this, kind of same side, I guess. I think since Hurricane Juan, which happened a few years ago, because I was just in college, the I think during one, yeah, I was in college during both one and white one. Anyway, I think the generational, yeah, the generational gap has gotten very large between what survival would be then as survival now, because technology, I know, only 16, 17 years ago, has gone so advanced between now and then. You know what I mean? Because back then. People had cell phones, but they weren't glued to them. They had the internet, yeah. but it wasn't a staple of existence. I, It's almost safe to say nowadays, like your cell phone and internet are almost necessities for modern living in an urban area. Like you have to be able to get online and check it. Just right now, what went off on here is um, stuff for school tomorrow for my kid. That's how they communicate. Yeah. It comes out by text. So if oh, you yeah. can't get that, you start missing out on things happening like they they don't assume and send notes and stuff like that anymore we're so reliant on technology when it crashes the definition of survival i think has changed in that time simply because you have to encompass the technological um hole in there now if you know what i mean well very much so um and, and it's interesting i was talking to a guy last week good buddy of mine and he broke his phone and he hasn't replaced it yet. So it's been like 10, 15 days since he broke his phone. And he said the first 10 days were brutal. Like the first few days, and I don't remember if it was exactly 10 days, but he said the first few days were brutal. Like he was always wanting to check his phone. He what about his messages. What if someone's trying to get hold to him? And now he's been a bit longer and he's like, he doesn't really want his phone back anymore. And now he's like, I don't miss it. Like, it's kind of nice not knowing that someone can call me. Like, they have to wait till I get to a, a landline and call me and they have to figure out when I'm there. Or they, you know, like he kind of d doesn't miss it. So, I mean, and that's part of the joy of bushcraft is it's kind of the opposite of survival in the fact that the intent is to go out there and enjoy it for the sheer enjoyment and to get away from the technology where survival, your drive is to still have that stuff and get as much of it as back as soon as possible. So it's it's the opposite, but the fact is, is most of the skill sets to do both are the same. Yeah, and I, I agree to that. And 
yeah, I'm not going to dive down that rabbit hole because it'll be a ramble. And I'm going to try and stay on topic this time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, and that's kind of the whole thing. And that's why I stumbled so much at the start is survival and bushcraft. They're incredibly similar, almost identical, except when they're not. And when they're not, they really are not. And that's, that's the big thing that used to bother me when people were like, oh, you're into that survival kind of stuff, you know, coming full circle here is because I'm not really into the survival kind of stuff. I'm into the bushcrafting kind of stuff. Because if I was into the survival kind of stuff, I would probably have better plans for, uh, you know, a crap hits the fan situation, be it anywhere. I would have some sort of backup plan with me. If I'm not in the woods... I mean, I'm going to do better than the average person, but I really don't have a full game plan if it doesn't involve being out in the woods or out in the environment to some degree. You know what I mean? Like, if I don't have the materials to build shelter, I'm basically the same as the person that doesn't know what to do with their without their cell phone. You throw me in an urban environment, I couldn't tell you how to survive for a few days. Like, as you were saying with the homeless people and things like that, like, I wouldn't have the first clue. I'd probably be the first guy dead in the sidewalk. <laughs> but it's true you know what i mean i got all the skills in the world going out in the woods not that they're very good but i mean at least i understand them i can function out in the woods yeah throw me into the into an urban area and like i'm done i i can appreciate that i honestly like i mean i've had to live in cities in the past and and, and it has its own series of difficulties and stuff and you know i i, I enjoy very much the fact that i don't live in the middle of the city now because i i didn't do as well there i, I found it st more stressful which is interesting when you talk to someone you're like oh you're into the outdoors you're like like you said they say that you're like survival and i'm like no i like enjoying myself <laughs> and that's but the thing you, right you surround me with thousands of people that i don't know all intent on doing their own thing and you just don't even matter you never feel maybe as alone in a city as you're doing like you could be completely alone in the woods you don't feel alone at mm. least i don't you know uh there's plenty to do and plenty to enjoy and i'm just enjoy the 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 alone but it's different when you're surrounded by people and it's it's it is different because you have to deal with the what's the word i want the locals <laughs> And when the locals are a few squirrels and a couple of rabbits and, a, and an owl, I know how to deal with them. I know what they want. I know what their expectations are. But when your locals are dozens and dozens of people that you don't know anything about, then you don't know what their next action is going to be. So it has a, has a, and that's that's the thing. Like a good survivalist is just as happy surviving within a, an ur urban or rural environment as he is in a completely wilderness environment hopefully um because you pick up skills everywhere but the flip side if you're good at identifying edible fauna and flora and stuff like that like all that's in both places like you, there are plenty of wildlife and plants in the city as there is in the in the in the wilderness in fact like you know you can still get deer in the middle of many cities. Oh, for sure. I mean, Truro, just outside of you, not a city, but a big town, you know, in yeah. the scope of being in the middle of the woods, it's a fairly <laughs> urban area, yeah. and they probably have a higher population than we have in Pictou County. Oh, yeah. Deer, I, was, I mean. I was driving through the other day, and, I, and probably, you know, just to, 
for anyone who knows where the Chevy dealership is, I was only a few hundred feet from there and a deer jumped out in front of me. I, I had to slam on my brakes to not hit him. I mean, that's all houses. There's. If anybody you know, know, once again, using the Truro area, because it's not exactly where Ben or I live, so I feel it's safe that we can use this area as reference. Um, if anybody knows where the DOT garage is in, in Truro or the Bible Hill area, uh, they teach motorcycle courses there. And it's not uncommon. Well, there's 10, you know, like plus motorcycles floating around that you'll get like five deer cross through the parking lot. Because they have zero fear of humans. And there's just so many in that area. And don't get me wrong, I know Truro is kind of a bad area for an example. Because they do have so many deer. Because of these reasons. But it's very similar to even Halifax. I remember when I lived in Halifax. I see smoke coming up, man. <laughs> is everything good? Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, damn, you got good at typing. But anyway. Um, yeah, even when I lived in Halifax. I lived out towards the Bedford Highway area. It wasn't uncommon to see a deer go through. So, yeah, there's tons of wild, well, not tons, but there's still wildlife in these areas. Yeah, there is. So, you know, I can see where the skills, you know, the skills are interchangeable and the drive is the big difference and the, the intended environment. So survival might actually be the more all-encompassing thing for environment survival covers all environments where bushcraft generally more covers the wilderness environments the less tame environments uh but for skills you know bushcraft is again wilderness based um but it's more like surviving using almost completely or as much natural occurring material as possible where survivalists may not concentrate that in that area mm. and just worries about whatever he gets hands on me... and so may not put the skill into finding how to use um less available resources you know what i mean no a hundred percent and i mean it's right in the title bush crafter you basically <laughs> gotta be in the bush for the skills to have any true meaning not that you can't take some of them to other things but they were developed in the bush for the bush survival on the other hand as we've said through the entire thing just to you know illustrate a little better is survival you should be able to do that over a broad spectrum of areas and uh, circumstances so that's kind of where the differences lie in there so the next time you say you know oh you're a survival based person or you're into that survival stuff actually ask yourself are they into the survival stuff or are they into woodscraft or bushcraft or camping or prepping because these are all avenues that are so very similar but they have enough of a difference that that's why they respectfully have their own names and stuff and if you're out there wondering what you want to do which is kind of the you know one of the points of us doing this show or at least one of the ones that i wanted to do uh cover on this is if you want to be a survivalist that's my opinion that's kind of what that means is you got to have basic knowledge to keep yourself alive in a bunch of different circumstances and uh locations if you want to be a bushcrafter that means you're going to have some specialized skills that involve being out in the woods or where there's going to be a lot of natural materials for you to work with which you may not necessarily get as a survivalist you may be thrown into a desert if i was thrown into a desert i'd be dead in two days i guarantee you i wouldn't be able to do anything beyond 
you know what I mean? Like, I know enough that I should seek shade in the day and do any of my laborious stuff when it cools off, because otherwise I'm going to dehydrate. That's about the extent of my survivability for a desert, because I don't have a lot of experience in a desert. I don't take the time to look up information about deserts, aside from, you know, like a passing book or something like that that has a little bit of information in it, because the chances of me getting into a desert situation, honestly, not so high on my list or at least i don't think they are a survivalist on the other hand may go out of their way to look up information on a desert and start becoming okay what's the what's the closest deserts i could potentially be have access to what's some of the foliage i can find in there what's some of the edible wildlife and plants that i might be able to cater to like they try to get a broad spectrum of information which is good but on the flip side of that it's like being good at a lot of stuff, but not being great at any one specific thing is the, you know, the other way to look at this, which is debatable. And I understand right. that. But at a certain point, as you keep cramming knowledge in, little things are going to slip through and things are going to start short circuiting. You know what I mean? Like, oh, was that for a desert situation or is that for an Arctic situation? Which seems like two extreme things, but the largest desert on the planet is Antarctica, right? <laughs> yeah. But you get plenty of water there if you know what you're doing. If you know what you're doing. You know what I mean? As somebody that's used to surviving in a desert or whatever, desert crafting, I guess. I, I don't even know what the equivalent would be because literally bushcrafting has it in the name. It revolves around the bush. Uh, I've had to bushcraft several times in prolonged power outages here, either blizzards or hurricanes. And that's the thing. I do believe that a lot of the bushcrafting skills and survival skills, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not harking and saying one is better than the other or worse than the other. I think a lot of the skills are 100% interchangeable. The bushcrafting skills that uh, we take for granted getting out there, making little fires and stuff like that, of course, if the power goes out and things like that, we're going to... As Ben said, instead of boiling our kettle on an open barbecue, we may just go out and make a small fire in one of our twig stoves, boil our water up, or maybe we have a jet stove or an alcohol stove. Like We have these things available to us, and we'd be good to go. As where a survivalist may have this stuff too, probably less experience with it. You know what I mean? Like they bought the stove in case the power goes out, but how many times have they actually taken it out and used it? Yeah. I mean, and, and and some definitely would. And, and I mean, I, I, we really can't back anyone into a corner. And I'm definitely not going to come out and say the survivalists are better than the bushcrafters or vice versa. Both of us lean more heavily towards the bushcrafting aspect of it. Although, I've, and I've never made a secret of this, I have some aspirations to doing some survival type challenges someday in my life. Uh, because I do enjoy the concept of it. But for me... I want to do them in a bushcraft environment. Mm. I do want to do them in the wilderness. Someone told me I had to survive in an area in some in an environment that was vastly different than that. I would think I would be much more less inclined to be interested in it. But there is a kind of a quote. And I think it matches this. So I, I I looked it up, and it says, "A jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one." And did you know that was the whole quote? No, I did not. It's from William Shakespeare, actually. But here's the thing. With both of these, we try to master a ton of skills. We don't master them to the point or we try to become very proficient, proficient at a lot of skills. But we don't concentrate solely on one of these skills so we become the absolute best. And so that means 
we like to know how to start a fire. We like to know how to preserve meat. We like to know how to identify plants. And since there's so many skills, you're never going to be the absolute best in the world at any one of those skills. That's not the intent. Because honestly, if you became a master of one of those skills, that would be awesome. But the time it took you to become the master of that one skill would probably mean that you're not skilled enough to survive even a good camping trip. You know what I mean? Like mm. the best fire in the world won't necessarily keep you warm and fed all night because where are you getting your food, where are you getting your water? And honestly, how are you gathering that much fire? Like firewood, like this, there's skills to doing all of these things to, to gathering out, lighting a fire quickly and easy. That's a great skill. Wonderful skill. But I'll take a guy who takes twice as long to start the fire, but also can identify 20 plants, catch a few fish, and build a shelter. So what you're saying is you wouldn't take me, because we obviously know I can't fish. Well. <laughs> I guess I'll get the firewood, but... We all have our weaknesses. <laughs> I swear I do know how to fish, just not well. Um, but no, it, it's very true, and survivalists once again not saying one's better than the other they go a little further with that and they get instead of great at a handful of skills like bushcrafters would they get good at a basket of skills so once again master of none good at a lot of them but is that going to dilute any one for any one situation like it's things to think about. There's no real answer to that because it's going to depend on the individual and the skills they learn and all that good stuff. You know what I mean? But it also, as an individual, if you want to go down one of these avenues, that's something you got to think about. Like, do you want to be good at a handful of skills? Or sorry, do you want to be great at a handful of skills and be it bushcrafting or urban survival or something like that? Or do you want to be good at a basket full of stuff and broaden your spectrum out? Because with survival you kind of have that wide canvas. You can either keep it as small or as large as you want it. As where with bushcrafting, arguably you have it as well, but honestly it is limited to the area. You know what I mean? And that is the largest difference that I can't stress to anybody out there that's listening to this enough is bushcrafting is generally tailored to an, a specific location. You know, I, I'm paint, painting a pretty broad stroke here, but generally it is. Survivability or survivalists that that stroke gets so much bigger. The canvas opens up so much more, but is the paint thinning out? There's a good analogy. <laughs> if anybody listened to the ramble, that's what I was trying to get to. Thank you. So I guess I'm just trying to think of a few little outriggers that we really haven't hit. I think too, like survival tends to lean itself a bit more to gadgets and gimmicks. It could. I mean, that's for sure. A lot of survival guys, uh, or people that I know that consider themselves survival guys, tend to have the latest and greatest in survival gimmicks. Yeah. If you look at a bushcrafter, a lot of like the really the bushcrafters I kind of lean more towards, they actually try to work towards more primitive gear. Mm -hmm. Where the guys are more on the survival side of it. And I think there is a spectrum, and we just, it, it definitely is a spectrum. And just where do you sit on that spectrum? Uh, the ones that are more on the survival tend to have the shinier gear, the gimmickier gear. Uh, nothing wrong with it. You know, awesome stuff. You know, five and one, six and one, something that can do a whole bunch of tasks and stuff. 
And it's neat, and some bushcrafters definitely have some of those items. Uh, but one is more towards the simplicity and the enjoyment of the simplicity, and the other is more into how much can I get for how little. Well, he's got something. What is it? Or maybe he's just going to get a beer. <laughs> What does he have? I went to get my gimmicky item. And I kind of use this for bushcrafting, but it was bought with the soul survival thing in mind. And you have seen this. This is my 6-in-1, 10-in-1, whatever the heck it is. that I oh, I like yeah. to buy this stuff because it's... I like to see how well it actually works. And this is the one that I picked up that I was actually kind of like, you know what? Not bad. And this has a compass, which we tried. And I mean, it It works. It's not as accurate as my, or sorry, it's not as accurate as my, like, Silver Ranger. Not at all, but, I mean, it, it works. It, it points north. You could follow a bearing. Magnifying yeah. glass. It's got a level for whatever reason, because, you know, that's your most important thing, is to make sure stuff is level when you're in the woods. I never understood that one, but you got it, regardless. But the big thing is the thermometer and the humidex. As well as it has, uh, I can't even remember all the stuff this has anymore. It's got it a whistle too, isn't it? I think it has a whistle. I think it has a ferro rod. Yeah, there's the ferro. Nope, that's the whistle. There's the ferro rod. And something last up here. Anyway, you get the point. It's, it's got a bunch of little. Oh, that's the striker. And a flashlight. Which is basically pooched. But I mean, in a pinch, it would do. And that's my kind of survival item. You know what I mean? It's the gimmicky, a whole bunch of stuff in one. I like it because the Humidex was pretty close. I tried it with an electronic Humidex. I actually sent you the experiments I did on this thing along with the temperature. And I think the yeah. Humidex is off by about 5%, plus or minus 5%. And yeah. the temperature was plus or minus 2 degrees. And I tested it like... Uh, and that's what I mean. For I think I paid 8 bucks for this thing. This was like one of those Gearbest or Amazon specials, and I did not have high hopes for it at all. And it pleasantly surprised me, and it keeps finding its way into my backpack because I like being able to know what the relative humidity is. Um, if anybody wants to know why it's good to know what the relative humidity is, it's because it dictates a lot of what your true temperature is going to be. You might have a sleeping bag that says it's good to minus, or sorry, that's good to 10, let's say. Which is all fine and dandy unless it's 10 degrees with a Humidex of, you know, 90 and the wind blowing. Because, yeah, it may be 10 degrees before wind chill and before the Humidex in there. But now, all of a sudden, you may be getting a little damp and cold. Anyway, whole other thing. But, yeah, survivalists tend to lean more towards stuff like this and keep those kind of things in mind, potentially. Uh, but they also get the problem of when they do buy these hokey things, 1 out of 10 actually does one out of the 10 things it's supposed to do you know what i mean your chances are like one in a hundred you get something that works yeah and and a lot of that definitely has to do with you get what you pay for it too like you have an eight dollar item that does eight things okay exactly right but if you had bought a three or four hundred dollar item then you know you might expect it to do a lot more and I think the good example of that that a lot of us can put our hands on and we've mentioned them here is your cell phone. Your cell phone can do dozens of things and they do it they do it very well. 
because it's it's a it's a high quality product that has a lot of money and 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 equipment put into it so that's great um where was i going with that is i'm just along for the ride now ben <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's funny um with with survival you're going to actually think about how can I do without some of this stuff if it if it completely failed. Where I think with the bushcraft, the plan was to just get away from it. You know, mm. it's nice to have it, and we still take it. You know, we still throw the cell phone in there because it is an, an awesome tool. It gives us a compass, a barometer. You know, depending on on the phone you have and the an option it has. You know, a radio, uh, books. Uh, apps all these things that can help you out but then the whole plan is to really not use it that much or just use it for the specific facts that you need it a good anal or a good point of reference on that smartwatch smartwatch yeah. has an altimeter in it it has a compass in it has a gps in it it's got google maps if i went in the woods chances are i wouldn't take it i'd probably take my normal watch simply because the normal watch is going to survive better uh, I can still find direction with a normal watch if you're in the northern hemisphere and you know, and you have a watch with a hand, a minute hand, you can find north. There's other ways analog. to find analog watch. Sorry, um, there's other ways you can find north. So I mean, the GPS and the whole reason being is because the battery life in this, as we were talking right before the show, which was a whole other subject. At best, I'm looking at like a day and a half, and in a day and a half in a survival situation, that that's really a moot point. In my mind, you know what I mean? A bushcrafting situation, same thing. It's a moot point. I could get something that's going to do all the little features, you know, the gimmicky features that are nice to have. Don't get me wrong. It's nice to know how high above sea level you are. It's nice to be able to open up Google Maps and see where you're going. But I could literally take a real map and my watch and be longer for... And honestly, the, the above sea level is not that big of a thing. And be good to go. You know what I mean? So what would you say your most, here's an interesting question, your most uh, high-value, multi-use tool that's low-tech is? My multi-tool, by far. Honestly, I mean, it's right in the name. I know. It's, I have a Weatherman OHT, one-handed tool. Uh, it was worth yeah. about 119 bucks at the time which is about the cost of a low-end phone, smartwatch kind of dealio. And it's probably the the number... If they were like, you're going in the woods, you grab one thing. What is it? The multi-tool. 100%. It's got a little saw on it. It's got a little knife on it. Once again, bunch of little things, but high-quality things. Yeah. And and my mind went right to uh, my Swiss Army. I mean, I carry a small Swiss Army on me all the time. I have a bigger one I often take in other places. But again, they're not cheap. A good Swiss Army knife, a good multi-tool, you're looking at minimum 100 bucks. Yep. Right? And you can buy a $30 multi-tool. I'm not going to say it's useless because it's not. But it's not the quality of a $100 one. It's not the quality of a $300 one. Uh, there is a huge difference in a good quality uh, uh, Swiss Army multi-tool and a cheap one i mean you can see it as soon as you pick it up and feel it you can feel the difference uh little things like how well the scissors work if they have scissors how much the can opener is actually sharp some of the cheap ones the can opener is, is dull like it's bent good you luck. go to push it in it just bends over and breaks off yeah right 
looks awesome until you actually try to use it. You know, putting good money into these these products is is you know it there is definitely a return on your money. And you know? coming once again, kind of full circle on this. Not trying to dig at the survivalist guys. Bushcrafters tend to spend a little extra money and get something that might do three things good versus seven things okay. As we're survivalists, they tend to try and get the thing that'll do seven things okay because they got that much more variety to go with it. And once again, not everybody, and no digs at them, I understand. Once again, once you broaden up that canvas and you're no longer just going to be in the woods, you have to plan for the woods or the urban or the water or freaking desert, you know, you do want other options because we are limiting our playing field as bushcrafters. So you kind of got to juggle that balancing act. Where where do you draw the line at is it cheap and garbage or it's good enough and I'm realizing that I'm sacrificing a little of that to go through it. And I mean, it, it's it's a fine, delicate balancing act just for us as bushcrafters when we limit it down to our three things versus a survivalist that may want it to do seven, eight, nine, ten things. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Sorry, I just need that. Hey, RM Shoots. Welcome to the show, man. You're just kind of coming in the tail end of her, though. <clears throat> Yeah, so what, let's see, we got it covered. And the environment. Oh, the last thing I kind of wanted to throw, just because it is bushcrafting and, and I wanted to make this point. The big difference, in my opinion, between survival and bushcraft is bushcraft is all about fun and unnecessary skills. I don't argue <laughs> that. Like, I mean, but is, are they really unnecessary? Every skill you can um, think of, I could think of a, a good reason to know it. So I, t- I taught. I, I'm going to throw this out. I'm going. I'm going to. I'm going to take this win. I taught you how to make a whistle, out of an alder. Correct. Not necessarily a skill that would be overly useful useful to a survivalist. What, um, but if you're lost and you're surviving, you could use it as a method of signaling. If you got yeah. good at it, you if can you, make a loud one. If it's within a few weeks of the sap first coming in and all the <laughs> True, true. Very limited window, once again. <laughs> right? Uh, it's a neat trick. It's it's a neat skill. It's fun, and it really does hone skills. Like there's, I'm, I'm not d- dissing it as, as, as being useless. That's not what I was saying. I'm saying it's not a necessary skill. A, a necessary skill is a skill that you can probably use for the majority of the year, a large portion of the year, a skill that you can use for two or three weeks of the year is not overly useful. Um, but it is fun and it is it is good to play with. And, and we're out there because we enjoy it and it's enjoyable and we just want to do it. Even the greatest survivalist, he may enjoy it while he's doing it for fun, but it's got a long-term intended purpose. It has a darker side to it right mm. right one is we are getting out there for fun enjoyment and and i got personal growth like we do it to grow to learn to to feel better about ourselves because we're doing it and and that's the, the plus to it you know uh the survival on the other way i think it's got more to do with confidence and what's the word i'm looking for 
Confidence and security. Okay. Right? So knowing that you have a survival plan and survival equipment and a survival operation means that in, in an uncertain time, you can feel more comfortable. So it gives you that level of comfort and, and confidence in yourself and, and what you can do. Do they is there shared in that? Like we both gain a confidence by practicing our skills, but the the reason for it might change a bit. You know what I mean? Red Bear Tactical said something kind of neat here, and I know we've said it in past episodes as well. But because he said it again, I'll give credit to him and say it: the more knowledge you carry in your brain, the less gear you need to carry on your back. So to a degree, yeah, I completely agree with that. You know what I mean? Like, and that's the benefit of both bushcrafting. And surviving, or survivalists, you know what I mean? It's still just developing skills. It's just kind of a specialized area of skill versus a broad spectrum of skill. Or at least to me, that's what it means. What do you folks think out there? We'd always be interested to hear what your guys' thoughts are, because don't get us wrong. We never pretend that saying this is the have-all, be-all, end-all opinion. You know what I mean? This is our opinions, and they're open for debate and swaying. I mean, if somebody comes in with a... A good piece of information or a different way of looking at something i think we're open-minded enough that we love to have that conversation oh yeah no i agree um but no i agree too like if you have the skills and the knowledge then being able to do without a few pieces of equipment becomes that much easier and in fact can actually boost some of the things you can do if you're fully dependent on a truckload of gear to to survive or be in the woods, that means you're limited to how far your truck can go and how far you can get away from your truck. You know what I mean? No, I completely agree. Not picking on anyone who drives truck. <laughs> if you uh, own a Ford Ranger, <laughs> just you know, just Ford, twist that knife a little harder, man. <laughs> you own a Ford Ranger. You're only no, <laughs> right? Being able to go out of the pack and get, you know, with just the pack, how much further can you get away from the road, from the trail and all that? Um, and then how much how much quicker can you do it? Take, uh, I, I love, you know, boating. We all know that, like canoes, kayaks and stuff. If you can lighten your load, portages are quicker and easier. Oh, agreed. Right. Uh so places you can get, the things you can see in a single weekend, the number of experiences you can potentially have because you're not walking back and forth a trail moving new, numerous pieces of gear and kit helps. With a survival situation, it means that, because you don't know when you're going to be in that situation, that you're not dependent on having that giant backpack of gear or that giant system. Because you, you know... Um, you may only have your multi-tool and a, and a lighter or a pack of matches, but you can do amazing things with those if you have the skill and knowledge. So what did we decide in the end? I guess we decided that uh, they have a lot of similarities. It's more, more to, based off of environment, mindset. Neither one is better than the other, and it's just two different avenues that anybody is more than welcome to go down and inter intermingle. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people out there that do both bushcrafting and survive or survivalist training. 
not necessarily that go hand in hand is the same thing. You know what I mean? And I guess that's the big thing I want to get out there. Don't try and put both of them under the exact same umbrella, or at least not next to each other. Because there are some differences. I, yeah, it's it's tough. You know what I mean? It's tough. <laughs> and there's specialists in, in both fields. There are people who specialize in certain aspects. We know people who specialize in fire lighting, in shelter building, in rope making, in the bush, you know, under the bushcraft uh, theory. Uh, with survival, you know, there are similar type things, you know, people who, who specialize in. Uh, Gary's uh, saying you one. need more kayaks. <laughs> you always need, no, that's I agree. just a kid. I agree. Yeah. 100%. Is, is he offering to give me a few? <laughs> well, if he's going to give you one, he has to give me one. That's the deal now. <laughs> Any case, we are starting to toddle off a little bit, and uh, the ramble is coming up, so I think it's probably a good spot for us to end here for tonight. We did fill our hour. Uh, I did have a few rants. I apologize to anybody out there in a few rambles. It was just hard to try and collect my thoughts together for it because, once again, these things are so similar but not really. <laughs> and we both enjoy aspects of both of them. I really think we do. And, and you know, I didn't come up with specific survival overly, like, driven skills. But it could be as much as, you know, car repair, uh, you know, cobbling things together, things like that. A bit more of maybe a MacGyver-type situation as opposed to... Uh, Was it just, just over bushcraft? You know what I mean? Yeah. You can go more towards the technological route, and you can do and and widen your your scopes. Um, did you ever see the Office Survival? No, I didn't. Well, I, I think the the gist of it was a, there was a show, and, and and I'll let you guys go. But the guy was showing how you could actually do survival stuff in like an office building say like there was an earthquake or something and you got trapped in a building for like days and he even set up like rat traps to catch like rodents and stuff because there are you know oh yeah for sure yeah. and i mean that's the thing surviving generally could encompass a, a broader spectrum of areas uh, one thing I would like to do before we finish off here tonight, uh, I did want to make note that one of our viewers did send us in some stuff. I showed Ben already, but we had yes. a few patches and stickers sent into us, and I'm covering up his last name, and I'm hoping I got everything. That's what everybody's seen me doing, looking down, trying to make this shot perfect. But thank you, Carl. As you said, uh, we did get them there, and uh, no worries on the, the time it took to get them here. I mean, uh, as you can tell, we're pretty laid-back individuals, and... Our time frames tend to take a little while themselves to come to fruition sometimes. So once again, Carl, thank you very much, sir. I'm going to send Ben up one of these and a sticker, and I'll keep the other ones. Um, and we really appreciate it. We love getting stuff like that. Uh, it's neat because we get to see, you know, different avenues. Uh, so these are the MCAS Yuma Search and Rescue Patches. Uh, this is from Arizona. So, I mean, cool. it's nice to know that we have people as far away as Arizona listening to us. And, and we know we do. But when we get something like this, it's something tangible that could be like, yeah, somebody from Arizona heard our podcast, they sent us this. Uh, and that's not a grab for you guys to send us anything. Don't misunderstand. It, it's just nice. 
It's definitely going to end up on one of my search and rescue packs. Oh man, it's I, I got <laughs> it's you don't see it in my camera because it's just beside the bow over there next yeah. to the crossbow. But I have a patch panel, uh, and I've been collecting patches as I've been playing paintball and doing sport shooting and stuff like that. Mine's going to end up there. Uh, the sticker. I was going to put it on my truck, but then I'm like, I may just keep it. I may just keep it. You know what I mean? Because my daughter has a bad habit of running away with some of my patches. So I hope she won't touch this one. The only thing I may do is I may put some Velcro backing on it just a little bit so it sticks up there. One of those double-sided things. But anyway. Very good. Uh, our outro. Get out there. Have fun. Enjoy yourselves. Let us know how things go. Till next week, everybody.